This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I would like to welcome you to an exciting new series I'm putting on each month in 2017. In the month of January, I'm going to go through 30 days to a better compliance program. So each day, I will detail some part of a compliance program that you can utilize to help you improve to have a best practices compliance program for 2017. With the operationalization of compliance mandated by the Department of Justice in the form of their compliance counsel, Wei Chin, and incorporated into the FCPA pilot program announced by the Department of Justice in April 2016, it's more important than ever that you upgrade your compliance program and show how you've operationalized. In this series, I'm going to help you do that. I hope you will enjoy this series. I hope you will join me, and I look forward to this journey with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to day three of 30 days to a better compliance program. Today, I'm going to focus on the chief compliance officer. Not so much the role of the chief compliance officer in <coughs> creating, developing, and implementing a compliance program, but the role of the chief compliance officer as it's viewed by the Department of Justice. So the Department of Justice wants to make sure that the chief compliance officer has the both the resources and support to do their job. And they do this, um, require this by a couple of different mechanisms. The first is that the chief compliance officer has to have sufficient standing and autonomy inside of a corporation. This means that the chief compliance officer needs to be a part of the senior management team of the company to have the sufficient standing. It may be down to things like, where's the chief compliance officer's office? Uh, is it on the C-suite level? But it also could be things like, how is the chief compliance officer viewed and treated by the fellow senior executives of the company? This clearly can send a signal. Next, for the chief compliance officer, do they have access to both senior management, the CEO, and the board of directors? Clearly, it's going to be important that the board of directors have uh, regular reports from a chief compliance officer, and we'll talk about the board's role in all of this in a separate uh, podcast episode. Nevertheless, the chief compliance officer needs to have access to the board. Uh, many companies believe that having a chief compliance officer with a direct access to the board unfettered by a general counsel is the way to go, but I've seen companies uh, with very robust, successful, vibrant, and gold standard compliance programs have their chief compliance officer report up through the general counsel. So it, what works is what works for your company and your organization, <clears throat> but having both the Standing and the line of sight to the board of directors is going to be a critical component. Uh, now I'd like to turn to more and greater information that we have received this year, or I should say in year 2016, from the Department of Justice's Compliance Counsel, Wei Chen. And back in April of 2016, when the 
Department of Justice pilot program around FCPA enforcement was announced. There was a prong around remediation uh, that would be utilized to determine uh, potential discounts to a company. And in this prong, there were several interesting comments by the uh, Department of Justice towards the chief compliance officer and the function of the compliance discipline within an organization. And the for the first time, we started hearing things about not only the dedication of financial resources to a compliance function, but also dedication of payments and salary to the chief compliance officer and the compliance function. Are they compensated within the scope of an appropriate level of management within an organization? Uh, in addition to the chief compliance officer's compensation and salary, this was cascaded down throughout the organization. We also heard for the first time issues raised around the quality and experience of the chief compliance officer and the compliance function within an organization so that the personnel could understand and identify transactions which opposed, imposed uh, or posed a potential risk. So this brings up the question of whether you need to have some type of certification or how can you show expertise in a compliance function? Is it because you've been in that industry multiple years? Is it because you have uh, certification from an organization such as the uh, Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics? Is it for some other reason that uh, you've written extensively uh, in the area? Is it because you podcast? Uh, there could be a wide variety of mechanisms. Nevertheless, uh, it's going to be important that this expertise uh, be demonstrated by the uh, compliance officers, professionals, and the chief compliance officers within a company. On the um, another area that we had uh, not heard previously was the DOJ wanted to know the availability for promotion within the compliance function and to the chief compliance officer. So could a chief compliance officer, for instance, be rotated through uh, other senior management level positions, internal audit, um, IT, business development even, um, or... And the same would be true for the compliance professionals within the organization. Once you go into compliance, are you stuck in compliance? If you contrast that with or think about that in the context of the corporate experience in legal, you might find that a little bit uh, unusual because uh, most lawyers um, who go into the corporate world stay in the legal department. There are some that go to other disciplines within the corporate organization, but typically lawyers will stay within the legal department. So what does it mean that your compliance officers stay within the legal department or don't stay within the legal department? So the, um, these were questions that uh, the Department of Justice raised, and there are certainly things that they're going to uh, look at going forward, and that means that you need to be ready to uh, answer those uh, yourself. And then finally, they emphasized once again on the resource issue that um, you need to be able to document that you've 
have the resources available to you appropriate for your size organization. And this means that uh, even if you don't have all the money you want, and of course you never do, you utilize other corporate uh, disciplines. You utilize HR to help you do training. You utilize internal audit to help you do auditing and, and perhaps even monitoring. You utilize your IT department um, for communications. You utilize your corporate marketing and uh, communications department. So how do you do that and how you do that and how you document how you've done that? So what are uh, the three takeaways from day three? Well, I think that uh, number one, you have to be able to demonstrate access, and you have to be able to show that the chief compliance officer gets their information to the board of directors. Once again, we're going to talk about the board in a separate episode, so we won't uh, really focus on their role. Number two is the resources. What resources are available to you? Um, do you spend more money annually on yellow sticky notes or paper clips than you've dedicate to your compliance function. If you do, that's going to be a very bad optic when the government comes knocking. But have you benchmarked? Uh, what other information have you utilized to determine or present information that you're spending an appropriate amount on your compliance function? And finally, from the pilot program, what opportunities are available to your compliance function, to your chief compliance officer, uh, within the corporate framework for advancement, what's the dollar amount paid uh, as salaries, and then finally, what's the quality and experience of your compliance personnel within your organization? At the end of the day, this may become the most important part uh, or the most important takeaway, and you have to be able to demonstrate some manner of competence and be prepared to uh, Present that uh, should the, uh, the government come knocking. So for day three, we talked a little bit about uh, resources, um, and we talked about access and how the government's uh, expectations of these are increasing. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.